0: Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by Hi5Content. It is a quiet, cold night, as the small squadron of assault boats zip across the waves towards their objective. On board the lead landing craft, a platoon of hardened soldiers waits nervously. They are heavily armed, their grim visages covered in face paints of black, green, and olive drab. Some of them smoke. Others pray. The rest check their ammunition belts and weapon actions one final time. None of them talk. The mission is dangerous, but these men are trained for it. They are members of a newly formed elite military unit created by the British Army Special Services to combat the Nazi menace that now grips all of Europe. They are a new type of military unit, one trained for special operations deep behind enemy lines covert ops special forces they are known as commandos their target is visible up ahead the imposing german coastal defense fortress on maloy island a formidable bastion overseeing the frigid waters off the coast of norway the hulking batteries of naval artillery cannons hang quiet in the night silhouetted only by the moon the stars and a lone searchlight that lazily circles from some distant tower The commandos are outnumbered. They're tasked with attacking uphill into a fortified enemy position. But these guys are the best of the best, highly trained, hand-selected from the toughest soldiers in the British Empire, and they have the element of surprise on their side. The mission is simple, get in, hit them hard, and overwhelm the enemy before they can organize. The unit's commander stands alone at the front of the lead boat he'll be the first man onto the beach, leading from the front, as he has always done. The war is still in its first year, but he is already a decorated hero with multiple commendations for bravery earned on the battlefields of Northern France. He is daring, fearless, bold, a dashing figure in the image of the Victorian commanders of old. Though instead of the classic red coat of a British soldier, he instead wears the dark green khaki of a royal commando, The landing craft hits the beach with a thump. The steel assault ramp slams down into the soft sand. Lieutenant Colonel Jack Churchill boldly steps out into the surf and quickly assesses the situation. And then, in the quiet of night, under the cover of darkness, he gives the go code for his squad to commence the operation. He pulls out a four foot long Scottish broadsword points it at the coastal guns on the bluff above, and screams,
1: "Commando!"
0: Then he pulls out bagpipes, and begins to play, as his men charge ahead. Hello, and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson, and I am here as always with my co-host, Dr. Pat Larish. Pat, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing okay, Ben. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm I'm pretty happy because we are going to talk about one of my favorite um, my favorite characters from World War II. This is a person I've written about on my site before that I, and, and in my book. And I just, I, I like this character a lot and it's a really fun story and I'm super excited about it.
2: Yeah. And Ben, when you suggested this episode, you said like it was the most obvious thing in the world. Hey, let's talk about Churchill in World War II. And I thought you meant
0: Winston Churchill. (laughs) Who I have also written about.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. We can totally talk about him. But you meant a different Churchill.
0: I did. I meant a different Churchill. Yeah, like it's, (laughs) I guess it's kind of funny because this is, you know, Winston Churchill, of course totally badass maybe one of the yeah. most badass world world leaders ever in my opinion. I think Churchill's great. I love him. I think he's the the Teddy Roosevelt of England um and I have written about him, but um but this is a different different character this is this is mad jack churchill who is mad
2: jack Churchill. he's called mad jack
0: that's gonna tell you something right yeah mad like crazy like mad jack yeah (laughs) like he's Mm -hmm. gone mad um they also call him fighting jack churchill is another nickname of his he's a character um sounds like it yeah we talked recently about mustafa kamal ataturk and there was a quote we cited in that episode and the person had said that Atatürk was like a guy who would come out of another time period, and I really get that vibe with Jack Churchill as well. So the go-to with Jack is that there is a a photograph. Um, if I and anytime I want to kind of lay out who this man is and what he's all about, there is a photograph. It's in black and white. It's blurry and grainy. It is picture those photographs of um, soldiers landing at D-Day. So you have one of those D-Day style landing crafts. They are, its yeah. ramp is going down. They're plunging forward and... There are British soldiers with the the very um, easy to, to recognize British World War II helmet. They are running off of the landing ramp into the surf, charging and at the head of this formation, and you would miss it if you if you don't really look for it, because it's black and white and grainy, and you'll see pictures where people circle it. But there's a guy leading them, and he's holding a sword. <laughs> he's dressed like Band of Brothers. He's in a World War II British uniform, but he's holding a sword, and he's kind of rallying his guys to charge forward. And that person is Mad Jack Churchill. He... <laughs> The
2: guy with the sword.
0: Yes. He is a World War II hero who fought the war with a broadsword and a longbow and bagpipes.
2: One of these is not like the other, or maybe all three of these are exactly like one another. You said he was maybe from a different era or was more at home in a different era and... Okay, broadsword, longbow, those are both weapons. Actually, now that I think about it, some people might argue that the bagpipe itself is a form of weapon.
0: Um, <laughs> Sonic weaponry. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the heaviest of those three items, which makes it the weirdest one, and it's the ooh. least likely to be useful in a self-defense situation. So it does kind of ring as a weird one. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So don't turn it off just yet if you're a bagpiper, because I fully intend to use Mad Jack Churchill's bagpiping as a way to illustrate his badassitude.
2: Okay, so this guy, he's got a broadsword, a longbow, and a bagpipe.
0: Mm -hmm. And he's fighting belt-fed German machine guns in World War II and tanks and mortars and artillery. And we're going to see how that goes for him. Here's Here's a, you know, he's the kind of guy that like I said, he's from a different time period, and that will come up a bunch. The the picture that I, I just referenced, is it's a photo taken from a training exercise. It looks like he's landing at Utah Beach, but okay, it's from a yeah, training exercise, yeah. and they took a picture of it. But he did do that when he was landing in combat zones as well. They just didn't have the, the CNN already on the beach when the Marines are landing mm-hmm. set up back yeah. then. Um, he yeah. did do that. He had
2: a little more free time and space to... Not be worried about getting hit,
0: right? He
2: when you were doing a training exercise, yeah.
0: yeah. And so, I mean, he's the kind of guy that that liked. He was an officer. He liked to lead from the front, and he joined the special forces because that's where all the elite people went. And when he was mm-hmm. undertaking his top secret commando raids, he loved to pull out his sword and wave it over his head and scream "commando" as loud as he could. Because he's just a dude from a different time. (laughs) He
2: just—that's how you do subtlety and subterfuge Mm -hmm. and keeping a low profile as you sneak in in your top secret mission. Yeah,
0: yeah, espionage, um, special operations. First thing in the special Mm -hmm. operations manual is scream the name of your unit as you're infiltrating enemy
2: positions <laughs> okay i'll take notes but in invisible
0: ink yes yeah but it's yeah. it's okay. what we said this guy this guy stepped out of the armies of edward III, third um and he <laughs> he should have been at agincourt yeah. uh but he instead is in normandy and we're gonna see how that works out uh right after these messages Jack Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill is this man's name. And mm-hmm. he was born in 1906 in British Ceylon, which is an island off the coast of India. Just kind of a unique...
2: Now known as Sri Lanka. Yes. So a part of the world that is far away from the British Isles.
0: It's not bagpiping country. British Ceylon no. was not bagpiping country or at least sri lanka is not really bagpiping country although yeah it, it is when jack churchill is there
2: yeah yeah has it has its own rich musical tradition but just not involving bagpipes
0: right bagpipes are pretty central to like pretty specific locations <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. So Jack Churchill is born in 1906 in British Ceylon, um, and he is his father's British. His mother's side is Irish, um, but they're living there because his father is a, a civil engineer living on the island, um, doing some work there. They're in Hong Kong after that, uh, but they eventually make their way back to England, where where Jack goes to school on the Isle of Man which I just like. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: The Isle of Man.
0: The Isle of Man, yeah. which is where you yeah. learn to do man stuff, I guess. I don't know. I'm not going to. Yeah. Don't
2: and their flag, their flag is. Their flag um, is amazing. Flag?
0: The the yeah, flag of the a, Isle of Man is incredible. It's three armored legs, like kicking in a triangle.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. It's one of my favorite flags ever.
2: It's called a Triskel or a Triskelion. Like there's a name specifically for that. Really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> anyway, which probably has no bearing on Jack Churchill's life.
0: He completes school on Isle of Man and he goes to the Royal Military College at Sandhurst, which is kind of the west point of England uh, or of the United Kingdom. And I,
2: I don't have anything cool to say about their flag. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it's great, but yeah.
0: I mean, the Isle of Man is hard to beat for flags as far yeah, yeah. as that goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he goes to kind of the big military academy in England, and he graduates in 1926, and is assigned to the Manchester Regiment, and he's then sent out to Burma. Which is present day day Myanmar? Yes, modern day Myanmar. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it was British Burma at the time, and he's stationed out there. Where in 1926, we're kind of after World War One. World War Two is not going to happen for another, you know, 15 years. So uh it's kind of calm when he's out there so what does he do this is a thing that will also come up with jack he does the military thing and he likes the military thing he likes being in the army he enjoys it um but when he's not drilling or or preparing or training he decides he he loves riding motorcycles which is kind of a new thing in 1926.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, Ben, you said earlier that he was from a different era, but he's not completely from a different era. It seems like he's embracing certain innovations.
0: Right. Uh, there, like motorcycles. Yeah. There's a weird movie from like the early 90s with Ed Harris called Night Riders. And it's about dudes that dress up in knight armor and they joust, but they ride motorcycles. It's not as good as it sounds like it would be, but it's worth no. watching because it's weird. Uh, but okay. that's the yeah. vibe I get. And it
2: has Ed Harris in it? Yeah, and
0: young I Ed mean, Harris. Uh, he's, yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's great in it. He makes a movie. It's fun. I recommend it. I cautiously recommend that movie.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, if you're in a particular mood, it will hit the particular. It'll do spot. the
0: thing. You're gonna look at the cover. Yeah. It's guys who wear armor and they joust on motorcycles, and you know immediately whether that is a thing that you're interested in or not.
2: Well, I guess is it a thing that you're interested in watching or a thing that you're interested in actually doing?
0: I think there's a lot of overlap. Anyway, yeah. that's the vibe I get from Jack Churchill. Is that he's he loves he's he's from this time period of knights in armor but he also mm-hmm. he, he likes motorcycle riding and yeah, as we'll see later yeah. he likes surfing so he's going to Oh see. hey yeah <laughs> So Jack does his tour of duty in Burma and he leaves the service in 1936 at that point he's served for 10 years in the army he's risen up through the ranks a little bit he's kind of a junior officer uh, he moves to Nairobi, Kenya, where he st- starts working as a newspaper editor.
2: Oh, wow. So he's got geographical range and also, as far as like skills and career moves he's got range
0: yeah yeah so he likes he's a newspaper editor and he's also he's really getting into archery and bagpiping as we've talked about okay yeah he even does a little bit of acting he wants to do some some movie stuff so he actually appears in um he he shoots arrows and plays bagpipes in a movie called the thief of baghdad that came out in 1924 was a silent movie like an action movie uh but a pretty big time like the guy who was in it yeah. was in um birth of a nation he played john wilkes booth in birth of a nation oh so yeah, yeah it was yeah, a big yeah, big
2: yeah, that movie, like, yeah. mass
0: pro- like production movie and he appears in it playing the bagpipes it's a silent movie so you don't hear him but you see him playing bagpipes in it
2: playing bagpipes right because one associates bagpipes with Baghdad.
0: sure <laughs> yeah we'll go with that <laughs> of bagpipes i think you're in the wrong movie (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh so yeah he's he's out of the service but in 1939 he gets second place in a bagpiping competition a pretty major bagpiping competition in england uh and he actually represents the united kingdom in the world archery championships in norway oh wow yeah i'm getting a little bit of like kind of patent vibes of the The soldier who was such a good soldier at this thing that they got to represent the country in in mm-hmm. soldiering. Uh, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of need for archery in 1939 in world military tactics, but you know, okay, the worst thing is being yeah. bad at that. <laughs> yeah, and this is
2: 1939, so I mean, some of us have leisure to go to. Military bagpiping competitions and or archery competitions, da-da-da. Mm-hmm. But on the world stage,
0: things are things are
2: brewing. Yes,
0: yes. So yeah, and that's what happens. In 1939, later that year, Germany invades Poland. And that's kind of the beginning of World War II in Europe. Yeah. N- now, yeah. Jack Churchill's 33 years old at this point. He's not a he's I mean, which in terms of being in the army is not Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are signing up at 17 and 18. He's 33, uh, but he's also got experience. He's been trained at Sandhurst. He's been an officer for 10 years plus. So he goes back and... And he's
2: looking for a way to contribute and use his skills and do his thing
0: right right and so he resumes his commission in the manchester regiment and uh is taken back as an officer and gets deployed to france like the the british army is looking for experienced people and he's one of them so great Mm -hmm. right here we go they ship him off to france to reinforce the maginot line which was the french defense planned defense against germany which you know yeah doesn't doesn't work out for for france in 1940s yeah
2: and i thought the Maginot line was supposed to be impenetrable it was supposed to be big chonky bunkers of concrete and if you look at the photos it's like okay no one's arguing with these things but the nazis apparently got around it yes they went through a forest in belgium
0: yes they drove tanks through a forest in belgium which belgium was supposed to be neutral and that was supposed to be off off limits but belgium
1: Mm, yeah yeah, you have to enforce your neutrality
0: with the army and the Belgian army did not hold up very well and mm-hmm. the
2: yeah.
0: you know the okay. the we can talk I could do an entire episode on the Maginot line but the French were yeah. expecting another World War I and the Germans brought tanks and aircraft and mm-hmm. rendered that static concrete chunky bunker like completely obsolete so yeah. Um, yeah. So France loses World War II, that's a spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they they yeah. lose. Uh in about 2 weeks they get they get stomped, uh, they get crushed pretty bad by the Germans who are pushing through all of France and the British Expeditionary Force is is trapped. I don't I don't know if you've seen Dunkirk, the Christopher Nolan one. It's mm. it's very good, but that's where Mad Jack finds himself early in the war. He gets deployed into France and uh the British Expeditionary Force gets flanked by Panzers through Belgium. They got to fall back. They got to fall mm-hmm. back. They're losing. When they stand a fight, they lose. And when they're when they're moving, they're getting out maneuvered. They end up getting out to Dunkirk. They're completely surrounded. And Jack Churchill is one of these guys that they're looking to for for aid because he's an officer. He's one of the only experienced people. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys out here yeah. are pretty green. Really, nobody, including Jack, has seen. Like shooting war, like combat. So he's kind of got to step up and and do something here. Yeah. So
2: step up and lead. Right. Right. And yeah. And-
0: Here's here's Jack. Jack gets on his motorcycle and puts a longbow on it and just starts riding around with his longbow on the motorcycle and his sword on his.
2: OK, <laughs> this is sounding kind of Mad Max.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mad Max. Or something. Is, yeah, exactly. It's a or great something
2: Or yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: he is. He's is getting medieval, right? He he drives
2: yeah, yeah. He starts... medieval asterisk with a motorcycle.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: His trusty steed.
0: Right. his Trusty steed. His, his night riders, his trusty steed. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he starts riding around on this motorcycle with a longbow um, and a, a, a pistol and a, a sword on his belt, and um, he carries this this Scottish claybag broadsword with him at all times on his on his hip. Um,
2: okay, so I ha- I have to intervene claybag. So is claybag the same as a claymore, or is there a difference?
0: So it, it, it's. So the claybag is a little different. It's different. So when you think about a Claymore mm. sword, and a lot of times when we talk about Jack Churchill, you say hey, he was key carried a claymore in the World War II. You picture the William Wallace sword from Braveheart, the big two-handed okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. thing, right? And that's not what what this is. So the claybag mm-hmm. is the um, it's a double-edged straight sword it's a scottish sword um it's the one with the basket hilt that sometimes you'll see it where it has like red cloth and stuff in the basket to make it a little bit more decorative
2: and make it a little more comfortable i give you a little bit of
0: a little more comfortable
2: and the basket covers you
0: from getting your knuckles wrapped by an enemy sword or something yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah
2: someone's put thought into this yeah
0: yeah it's a defensive thing as well um think like uh-huh. Scottish knight or Scottish lord right okay yeah. um, he's got the longbow on his back he's probably got a six shooter he's got a, probably a Webley pistol on his side uh, he's riding around on a motorcycle and he's doing whatever he can to try to slow the Germans down kind of as a one-man force he is
2: yeah yeah. Like trying to
0: attack supply ra- supply depots, he's trying to do some raids, some some little harassing attacks, whatever he can to kind of keep the Germans back. He's getting a couple guys with him. they'll ride out there, they'll set fire to some stuff, they'll take a few shots at guys, they'll ride away, yeah. hit and run kind of things. Cause problems on purpose. Yes. He, as with all things historical, there's debate about this, but th- mm-hmm. it seems likely to me that he killed a couple Nazis with a bow and arrow. Which is the only story I have ever come across in World War II of anybody dying by arrow. Huh. Which okay. is unique and noteworthy, I feel. Unique, yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. So Jack Churchill is doing his thing and getting
0: results. Yeah, he is. He, I just love that he's going into 20th century combat with a weapon. From the 15th century, weapons from the 15th century, right? It's amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, if I was like, like, if I want to go wave around a claymore or a claybag, I just fire up the Nintendo and play Legend of Zelda. But we're talking about video game fantasy world where, you know, if I run out of lives, I can just restart. And this is a guy waving around artifacts or things that are replicas of artifacts in a world where technology has really advanced and it's kind of scary i mean okay very scary let's be
0: honest yeah it's one thing to be playing multiplayer call of duty or something and some guy runs around with a sword trying to kill people but like In real life, like the Germans have hand grenades and belt-fed machine guns, they've got Mm -hmm. bolt-action rifles, they've got those MP40s, they've got submachine guns that are fully automatic, right? And you got a bow and arrow.
2: Yeah, and what are you going to do? Block each bullet with your sword? Swat away grenades with your sword like a golf club? Are you going to? I don't know. Shoot hundreds of German soldiers with the you know dozen fifteen arrows you have? I can't really fathom it. I'm honestly flummoxed here. <laughs> but our Jack seems confident in his method.
0: He's confident. And and so he's the only guy carrying a sword around, right? The British are kind of famous for their officers carrying swords. And they carried swords later than a lot of other militaries yeah. did. But,
2: but were they real? Like, were they... I was gonna say, were they real swords? Obviously they're real swords, but were they mostly used for ceremonial purposes? Or was the intent that you would actually use them in combat?
0: No, no. It's there's it's yeah, it's what you said. It's it's ceremonial, it's it's for you know, your dress uniform, but there was like a rhetorical purposes. Exactly. A a senior officer once asked Jack Churchill about it, like what are you doing, right? Why are you carrying these weapons mm-hmm. into battle? I mean, Maybe there's an argument that Jack Churchill was was a world class archer. Maybe he was a better shot with a bow than he was with a gun, right? Maybe he okay. he'd rather use yeah. the, the bow because he was more comfortable with it. Um, hey, yeah. But he, as far as the sword goes, he he very famously told his commander, <clears throat> "In my opinion, sir, any officer who goes into action without a sword is improperly dressed." Oh, I, I can't do the accent, okay. but I feel like it would be. No, I feel like it would be try. funnier if yeah. I could. Yeah. <laughs> OK, but that's mm-hmm. that was his that was his thing. And you do see this in in Japan, the Japanese, the Imperial Japanese army in World War II, uh-huh. is also going to war with swords. They're, they're carrying swords that look like the samurai swords, like a katana or something. And they are leading men into battle with this thing. Uh, so we do see it in World War II, but it's. It's not common in the British Army.
2: No, but psychologically, there might be something about seeing your commanding officer wield a sword.
0: It's got to be inspirational, right? He's pulling out this weapon. We're we're romanticizing the old days. Like, we're going into war. Like, let's go, boys. Let's get him. And he's got a sword. That's cool. It's a cool prop to make people want to follow you and run into battle after you
2: yeah and it's a prop that can actually hurt people right
0: and, but as we will see consistently like jack uses these weapons to hurt people or to his advantage yeah. he, he he he's these aren't just you know accoutrements of for for it's not a halloween costume
2: no 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 this is not some plastic thing you get for five bucks a target
0: yeah yeah the, these are weapons that this is not something you give kindergartners right Bow and arrows have legitimately killed people, like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Bone arrows have killed millions of people, probably like over the course of human history. Tens of millions, right? Swords and bow and yeah, arrows have of killed
2: humans in- and also <laughs> animals yes. and I'm sure some of them have done great damage to straw-stuffed targets.
0: Yes. <laughs> I would not want to be shot with an arrow or hit with a sword.
2: No. No.
0: But it does take some guts to charge a machine gun nest with that.
2: Well, it's like bringing a, I don't know, like a spork to a something fight. It's a knife to, it
0: Um, literally is a big knife to a gunfight, right? It's just the knife's a little bigger, but you are bringing a knife to a gunfight, right? It's just, the knife is twice the size of a kitchen knife. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
2: yeah. It is a formidable knife. It is a formidable double-edged knife.
0: But it's still not. you're still
2: bringing it to a (laughs)
0: gunfight. But Hey, look, it works out for Jack. It works out for Jack at Dunkirk. He leads these motorcycle bow and arrow attacks on German uh, forward elements, is trying to hold them off to buy time for the British Army to evacuate on ships at Dunkirk, which does happen. And he actually receives the, he earns the military cross, which is an award for bravery in the British Army. Because at one of these battles, he braves a hail of enemy gunfire to rescue a wounded fellow British officer. Uh, This guy's hurt, and Jack runs out across this this field under fire of artillery and machine guns, grabs this guy, pulls him to safety, um, saves this guy's life. I can picture
2: this in slow motion.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and whenever I picture Jack and in involved with any of this, he's he's dressed like Robin Hood, but <laughs> that's not that's not how that's not how it went down.
2: No, no, but symbolically,
0: yes, yes,
2: figuratively.
0: Yeah, he saves this guy's life, and he gets the military yeah. cross for it. And the British army does manage to evacuate at Dunkirk. Uh, you know, and and they they go back to England, and they have to regroup. And this is when we're having the Battle of Britain. The Germans are mm-hmm. are sending aircraft over to bomb england they're thinking about trying to have an amphibious invasion of england
2: yeah we're all hiding in i mean not jack churchill but the rest of us are hiding in uh the london underground yeah tubes and drinking tea and right
0: yeah Daily bombs, air raid sirens over yeah. London, firebombing, like there's crazy stuff happening in yeah. England. But like like you said, uh, the huge portion of the population of the United Kingdom is going underground to air raid shelters on a daily basis to avoid German bombs. But Jack Churchill, gets uh-huh. he gets married has a kid oh, and joins as one does and joins the commandos <laughs> okay <laughs> trains okay. to be a trains to be a commando he heard that they're creating yeah. this new organization known as the commandos it's elite it's special forces it's cool stuff uh, it's for the best of the it best appeals to him yes and he's like if it's for the best people then i want i want in i'm in i wanted i'm all on with this commandos thing so he he honestly had no idea what a commando was or what the purpose of it was or what any of this was when he signed up for it he was just like it's elite and I want to. it's going to be dangerous so and I'll get to fight German so I'm in okay so he goes through the commando training which at the time was the most grueling training in all of the British army you know there was no Uh real SAS training like we have it now or any of that kind of stuff like this this British commando this is the best of the best for the British army and um and he does it, and it's pretty serious training, but he loves it. He loves every second of it, because he he's...
2: He sounds like he's in his element here.
0: He he is. So, okay, so now he's a commando. And the commandos are this small elite group of British Army troops who are going to carry out special operations. It's We are entering this phase of the very beginnings of... What we know today as, you know, SEAL Team 6 and the Green Berets and, Mm -hmm. you know, everything we think about when we're thinking about special operations. The British, Royal British Commandos is the beginning of a lot of this. So he gets his first mission. Uh, He is an officer, so he's going to command. He's going to command an amphibious night raid on... Is he
2: going to command the commandos? He's going
0: to commando the commandos. And he's going commando, probably. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, uh, can't I verify that. Person, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he small, he's got a little team of guys, and they're going to attack German positions in Norway. So the Germans have... Norway, okay. Yeah. I'm just
2: picturing the map and like the little like pins where Jack Churchill has been. Okay.
0: Everywhere. England, England, Norway, England, yeah. Norway Kenya, Kenya, Sri, Burma, Sri Lanka, Non-Narm. Burma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hong Kong. Okay,
2: so... We're headed to Norway.
0: So we're going up to Norway. The Germans have taken Norway and they're using it to resupply positions all along the the sea up there. So he has to attack this fortress, at uh, this area called Maloy, Malo Island. Mm-hmm. There's four coastal artillery positions and the commandos are going to land first. They're going to clear these coastal positions and allow a bigger amphibious assault to happen. So these guys are kind of the spearhead. It's like... Uh-huh. You know, top secret stuff. They're going under night. You know, that's yeah. They're in these landing craft, like the D-Day landing craft, going in at night. It's dark. There's just the sounds of the ocean. Everybody's kind of quiet. And a lot of these guys are on their first commando mission. We, we don't know if this is gonna work. there's They're seeing the artillery up there. They're seeing the guns up on the bluffs ahead of them. This is gonna be dangerous. So they're
2: sneaking around, keeping to the shadows. Yeah. They're probably wearing. Uh, uniforms or you know camouflage that blends in right where
0: dark uniforms probably have like probably have some of that face paint like black face paint yeah, on yeah. to keep yourself blacked yeah, out yeah. so you, they don't see yeah, you yeah. you're looking at these guns you're looking at the searchlights mm-hmm. you're kind of ready first first commando mission ever like here we go we gotta we gotta go sneaking and then sneaking and then sneaking sneaking and then a bagpipe sneaking <laughs> a bagpipe Wait, begins to play <laughs> on this landing craft as it is approaching the shores. (laughs) Just picture the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, where they're all kind of like geared up and ready to go. And then it's just like bagpipes. The March of the Cameron Men is the name of the song. And Mad Jack Churchill is blasting this sucker on the freaking bagpipes as loud as he can. Pulls
2: out all the stops.
0: Yep. Like, here we go, boys. Commando.
2: Bagpipes,
0: bagpipes, the landing, the assault ramp opens up. He jumps out with the bagpipes, He's blasting bagpipes. He throws a grenade while he's still playing the bagpipes. I don't even know how that works. Runs out. The water's knee deep. He's charging Malloy Island. He's got the broadsword. He, he, you know, when I guess when the song's over, he's he's throwing grenades. Mm -hmm. He's got the sword. He's screaming the word commando as loud as possible and Commander! yes and 20 minutes later yeah. the commanding officer of the operation receives a telegraph that just says "Malloway battery and island captured casualties slight demolitions oh. in progress Churchill
2: wait this worked <laughs> it,
0: it worked <laughs>
2: even though he was like Leroy Jenkinsing it all over the place
0: that is a that is the only like that is the best possible comparison that I could imagine <laughs> Yeah, just Commando Churchill. Okay. Commando Churchill. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> okay. So the opposite of subtlety?
0: The opposite of subtlety, but it worked. And so of course they give him more missions like this because why not?
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. so they think that this was successful because of his techniques, not despite his techniques. Mm,
0: He didn't mention his techniques in the telegram that he sent back saying that he'd captured the entire island in 20 minutes. So my assumption is that the commanding officers didn't fully they grasp didn't ask
2: too many questions red. or they're just like oh okay you you seem to know what you're doing
0: yeah didn't fully grasp the situation okay. As, okay as it happened
2: okay so past results they're taking as indicative of future performance
0: yes exactly okay
2: cool okay let's roll with that
0: <laughs> just keep going until it stops working right so they put him in charge of uh number two commando and Uh, he's going to lead an assault later on in the war. He's going to lead an assault on German positions in Italy, in the port of Salerno. He's going to command number two commando. And he and his guys go ashore in the middle of the night. Same kind of deal. They're on these inflatable boats this time, instead of on landing craft. Uh, They sneak on to the shore undetected. There's no screaming or bagpiping. They sneak up and they see a a German tank crew um, that are, hanging around outside of their tank there's not that many of these guys in the commando unit but there's a there's a german tank and the german tanks are serious Uh and yeah yeah. these guys are sitting outside of their tank they haven't gotten in it they're hanging out eating dinner smoking cigarettes or whatever and he's able to ambush them and capture them before they get into their tank which is great because that is going to make his life a lot better because these commandos are special forces guys are generally not equipped to deal with armor they're equipped to sneak in and attack people who aren't ready to be attacked
2: yeah uh-huh.
0: so they take the tank they take the german position pretty easily uh on the beach there and this is great because now it's going to clear a beachhead for more troops to land the germans and the italians they rally pretty quickly and they launch a counterattack to try to drive uh these commandos off the beach before reinforcements can get there um but he this is where you know maybe the bagpipes don't come out but Mad Jack Churchill becomes mad. He just, he goes full Mad Jack Churchill when the Germans are counterattacking him with armor and Uh mortars and machine guns. He's outnumbered. They're attacking him with- This is
2: big stuff. It's a real, it's a for real counterattack.
0: They're coming after him because they got to get these commandos out of here. Otherwise, heavy equipment's going to show up to reinforce these guys and the Germans are going to have a big problem. Jack Churchill is standing in his, is inside of his headquarters building and he's getting in some reports of, you know, various counterattacks Mm -hmm. coming here and here. He wants to look for himself. He climbs on top of the building. I was going to say
2: you say he's in the building. And I'm like, this is I mean, okay, yes, obviously he has to be inside headquarters from time to time, but is this really in character for
0: Jack? No. No. no so, he
2: wants to be in the thick of it. Yeah. Yes. He wants to be where the action is. Yeah.
0: So he so he climbs onto the roof of the headquarters building with a pair of binoculars so that he can he can look and see where all the bad guys are.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, I mean, if you imagine for a moment, you're a German soldier attacking this British position. You outnumber them. They're, they're entrenched. They're trying to hold you off the best they can. And then there is a dude, you know, I am, I imagine he was wearing the beret of the officer. He's dressed Uh in an officer's uniform. I'm sure with all the medals and insignia indicating his rank, he's got a sword. He's got binoculars. He's holding a radio and he's just surveying the field.
2: Shiny things. Things that can glint if light is shown upon them.
0: You'd think this guy would be a target. But for whatever reason, he is just he's got these binoculars in this radio and he is calling out coordinates mm-hmm. to mortars and to uh naval artillery to shoot at whatever is attacking him. He he didn't want to hear the reports over the radio. He got He's got to see this for himself. He climbs up under the roof. He's looking at it over here. Oh, whatever. F- Ten yards to the right or, you know, however he's giving mm-hmm. these. And
2: he's shouting. He's not like using secret signals or whispering. He's, This is Jack Churchill, so he's, you know, full volume.
0: Yeah, he is directing mortar fire onto yeah. Nazi weapon teams yeah. and blowing okay. things up. Right? So he's
2: standing on the roof of a building, basically saying, hey, I'm here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: So to take a, a little bit of a tangent here, um, one of my favorite war movies ever is A Bridge Too Far about the Battle of Mm. Arnhem, which is um, the British army in Holland fighting against the Germans. And Anthony Hopkins is in that movie and he plays Colonel John Frost. Frost was the British commander of the first paratroopers, the the Red Devils. They land at the farthest position and they have to hold it against German tanks that aren't supposed to be there. And these guys are, they're holding out to the best they can, but they're surrounded and they're getting, they're getting beat up pretty, pretty badly. Mm and there's a scene where Anthony Hopkins has to coordinate he's at his headquarters building but he's got to coordinate with this forward element of his troops so he's got to get across town which is under fire by artillery and tanks and machine guns and all of this so he kind of he goes out of his headquarters building and he runs across the street and he takes cover and he runs across and he runs over here and he runs over here and then he gets to the forward guys and gives them his orders cuz the radio's not working or whatever one of the technical advisors on the movie was Colonel John Frost, the guy who Anthony Hopkins is portraying. And Frost is like, cut. And he goes to multiple Academy Award-winning actor, Anthony Hopkins, and he says, no, not like that. You are an officer of the British Army. You would walk slowly and casually towards that position, ignoring the enemy fire, to show disdain for the enemy and inspire your men. Ah. Uh, and that's the vibe I get from Jack Churchill. It's the mm-hmm. it's the Colonel Kilgore in Apocalypse Now. Like, don't flinch when the artillery shell lands like 20 feet from you. Because if you don't seem scared, your guys aren't going to seem no. scared.
2: No, you got to hold the center. Mm-hmm. You got to be a rock.
0: Yeah. You got to show. Yeah. So uh, they hold. And then the next day they get more orders, which are to... Uh, sneak into the town one of these nearby towns is called Pigaletti, and take out mm-hmm. an artillery battery that's starting like the germans have brought up artillery to try to counterattack and attack these landing craft we got, we got to get this artillery position so jack you're up you got to go get these guys
2: mm-hmm. so he sneaks sneakily
0: yes while sneaking he sneakily sneaks in the middle of the night a small group surrounds oh. the town
2: like he actually sneaks
0: yeah, yeah, he sneaks up okay, around the edge, cool. outskirts okay. of the town, gets his guys into position, and they have to wait for the signal before they can launch their attack. So everybody kind of gets in their positions. And the signal is when Mad Jack screams the word commando as loudly as possible. That's your cue Come to on, scream go! and run. That's uh, your, your yeah. cue to scream and run and start shooting. <laughs> and. Okay. And it works. So there's 50 guys in number two commando, and there are 136 prisoners taken that day. There's probably twice that number actually defending the town. But when they Uh start hearing commando being screamed from three directions around them and gunfire (laughs) and everything, they assume... they're
4: (laughs) They
0: assume they're being attacked by a force that massively outnumbers them, <laughs> because what maniacs would charge a superior position of entrenched uh-huh. enemy screaming and yelling? Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah the, the the commandos, they don't hardly lose anybody. They get a couple guys wounded and they take 136 prisoners and Mad Jack Churchill earns a medal.
2: OK, <laughs> apparently whatever he's doing is working.
0: Yes, yes. He's still not done on this on this little Italian excursion.
2: Oh, wait, there's more?
0: There's more. And I haven't even gotten to the okay. crazy, craziest part of the whole thing yet. I'm going to... I think this is a good place to take a second commercial break because okay. you, you're going to want to hear this. If After everything I've said, this yes. is not the craziest. This is uh-huh. not the thing that got him the Distinguished Service Cross. So we're going to get into that action, uh, but we're going to take a break real quick. So Magic Churchill is commanding the commandos now. He is a special forces officer. They have landed on Italy. They've attacked bases in Norway. They've fought at Dunkirk. But now they are in Italy and they've attacked. They've gotten a foothold on the Italian coastline. They're trying desperately to hold it. And the Germans are doing everything they can to counterattack and throw the British forces, the Allied forces, off of this beachhead and um, retake this land. So. Mm-hmm the germans are bringing up a lot of artillery to drop onto the landing craft the landing the allied landing craft are bringing more troops and more tanks and artillery all this stuff up bullet supplies bringing all this stuff up onto the coast and the germans are they're really it.
2: stacking things up
0: right right the germans are trying yeah. to put artillery shells on those stacks of boxes before they can be distributed where they need to go Jack has already had a screaming commando charge that captured one German artillery position, but there's another one nearby that he needs to take out. And uh, there's a a German mortar regiment that is, it's it's a lot of guys. It's a lot of people in this town and they are um, uh, setting up some pretty heavy artillery. So Jack Churchill we have talked about his sword he goes equipped with his sword not he leaves the bow and the bagpipes this time
2: what oh okay so just the sword
0: just the sword so
2: so he's down to like one third of his usual accoutrements
0: he only needs the sword so okay he finds a german sentry patrolling the the town and he sneaks up on the guy and he pulls his sword so this guy is like picture of some 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 kid, like, he's he's on guard duty. He's got his rifle. He's walking around at night. And then this freaking crazy British guy jumps out and puts a sword up to your neck is what we said, right? Like, yeah, it seems kind of silly if a guy's running across the field at you with a sword and you've got a machine gun. But that sword's like six inches from your carotid artery. You, 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 what do you, sorry, you put your hands up. Like, okay, I surrender. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Assess the situation.
0: Yes. So Jack takes this guy and says, continue doing your rounds let's go uh, and you know if you make a move i'll kill you so they go around on the rest of this guy's patrol and there's little guard posts along the patrol route and every time they get somewhere he's holding this guy by his by his shirt and he puts a sword points a sword at the next guy and is like hey you're coming with me you're my prisoner now
2: so he's like every time he comes to a post he like accumulates another guy yeah
0: like hey you're with you're with us you're my prisoner drop your weapons come with me Wow, okay. He does this a third time. Now he's got three guys that he's captured with a sword.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Then he does this 38 more times and captures 42 Germans armed only with a sword without firing a shot, without even having a thing that would shoot a shot.
2: (laughs) Just by force of personality.
0: Just by force of personality. Force
2: of personality plus sword.
0: Plus jamming a sword in their face, yeah um yeah they asked him about it like what 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 what's the deal with this jack how did you take out an entire german heavy mortar section armed only with Uh a sword um and he's he he said i maintain and again i'm very i'm very sad i can't do a good british accent because this would be so much better if i could but he says i maintain that as long as you tell a german loudly and clearly what to do if you are a senior officer to him, he will cry Javol and get on with it enthusiastically and efficiently, whatever the situation. Javel. Yeah. It's just charisma just charisma check. Yeah. He just
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: captured 42 guys because he was a senior officer to them and told them what to do and they they oh, did. Or
2: it. A senior officer, or at least gave a senior officer vibe. I mean, I, I'm sure he actually was because these were probably the rawest guys yeah. out on out on duty. Um so he gets
0: the Distinguished Circus Cross because he's... He's, a,
2: he's got skills. Yeah. 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 Huh. Hmm. That took some finesse,
0: oddly. Yeah. This guy, he just, he just makes it happen, right? He's... Leroy Jenkins dies, but Mad Jack it always seems to work out for him. <laughs> hmm yeah. So he continues to lead these guys. Um, he ends up, later on in the war, he ends up in Yugoslavia. They sent him there to, you're talking about your map pins. Here's another one. He's in Eastern Europe now.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: He's in Yugoslavia helping Tito's partisans fight against Nazi occupation there. And he he's there with two groups of commandos, but he's also, a lot of his job there is to rally partisan support. So get local people to rise up against the Germans. So he's mm-hmm. able to get, he's got a force of maybe like 1500 guys and not that many of them are commando. A lot of them are these volunteer Yugoslavian people who are just trying to fight the Nazis.
2: Yeah. So they haven't had the extensive training.
0: Right, right. But they're, Yeah. they can scream commando as well as anybody.
2: Yeah, commando!
0: <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. probably even more intimidating with the Yugoslavian accent. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: And... Honestly, with 1,500 people shouting it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. If,
2: if that's actually what happened, I don't know. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, so that is, I think, basically what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, commando! 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 So he's in Yugoslavia, and he's he's organizing these partisans and this commando squad, and they're going to attack a uh, an island fortress in the Adriatic um, at a place called Brach. And mm-hmm. uh, they attack... And this time the Germans are, are ready for them. Uh, the German oh. forces is very mm-hmm. very tough, and they the commando attack doesn't go as well as expected. The Germans they start shooting people down. and every oh. yeah, and, and they, they call an artillery and aircraft. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, Jack and his guys get strafed by the RAF, like his own guys strafe him oh, uh, by accident. Like, at, <laughs> yeah, Same so goal, yeah, um, it's that's one of those things about fighting behind enemy lines is that you you know, you have to sometimes your own guys don't get the message that these are our guys. Uh, yeah, it
2: gets a little hairy.
0: Right, right. You've got a bunch of irregulars yeah. moving around with guns and the the Spitfires flying overhead and. They think, oh, this is probably bad guys. And so, um, but at this attack, they're attacking at Brach at a place called 0. 0.622. Probably that's just the map designation in the British Army maps. Mm-hmm. But yep. um, but every everybody in his unit is killed or wounded. Uh, except for him. He is fighting on this beach. He gets behind a sand dune. Everybody's, everybody's wounded or dying. Mm-hmm. He's out of ammunition for his pistol uh he's got his sword but he doesn't have his bow he, he, the enemy's all over the place they're heavily armed what do you do um so he does oh no
2: is this is, is this
5: the end
0: it, it's it's gonna be the end of the war for jack churchill he's surrounded he's he's um he's out of bullets all of his his whole team is destroyed the germans are closing oh no. in on him and he does the yeah. only reasonable thing you can do, which is to play a sad song on the bagpipes.
2: Of course.
0: Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, hunkers down behind a sand dune. He pulls out his bagpipes, and he, we were talking about emotional bagpiping music, and yeah, and that is what happens here. He starts playing a sad song in the bagpipe until that's his coping mechanism. They show up, and um,
2: wow, and this is not like say a soundtrack to a movie. This is an actual person.
0: Right. And we talked about Dunkirk at the end of Dunkirk, they get, the guy gets captured and they play sad music and the Germans show up and capture this guy, but this is real life. And he is actually playing the soundtrack to his own, to his own, um, his own end. And uh, so Jack is there and he's behind this, this sand dune and he, you know, all of his people are, are gone. And, He's playing a very sad song in the bagpipes. And the German soldiers, the Nazi soldiers approaching him, they hear this sad bagpipe song. So they do the only reasonable thing. And throw a grenade at him <laughs> and wound him with a grenade. <laughs> as one does. Yes. <laughs> Who's playing that damn bagpipe music? I, I, I mean,
2: as music criticism goes, that seems a little bit on the harsh <laughs> side. But
0: but in know. their defense, yeah. I think there probably um, is literally a German word for like that damn bagpipe music. It's probably some 27 letter g- German word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so they, they frag him with a grenade and they haul him off to uh, Sachsen Sausen concentration camp. Ooh. Which is ouch. one of the death camps, yeah. <sighs> okay. yeah. Okay.
2: This sounds not ideal. It's
0: not great, but he's yeah. not dead. He's just wounded. He's okay. just been blown up with a grenade, which this is not the sort of thing that slows down a guy like Mad Jack that much.
2: I was going to say, yeah, this is Matt Jack Churchill.
0: Yeah, so he's put in the area. I mean, it's this is a, a, a German extermination camp, but it is he's a British officer, and mm-hmm. importantly, his last name is Churchill. And they think, as you said in the beginning. Oh. He might be related. Ooh. So they're not sure if he's related or not. He's not.
2: Yeah. So they want to tread Of course, he would say that. They don't know that. They don't know that for sure. All they know is
0: his ID card says, you know, Captain Churchill. Churchill.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they tread a little bit more carefully than they might otherwise. Well,
0: they interrogate him pretty heavily. Um, I bet, But they yeah. put him in a special yeah, yeah. part of the camp with the other British officers, right? Because you just mm. treat officers differently or whatever.
2: Apparently, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So they put him in the special area with the British officers. And the guys that they put him in with... Pat, did you ever see the movie The Great Escape with Steve McQueen?
2: Yeah, The Great Escape, yeah. Okay, so...
0: Yeah, so it's it's based off of a real story where these RAF pilots had been shot down over Germany. They were flying bomber missions over Germany or, or fighter missions over Germany. They got shot down. They got put into a, a prison camp and they escaped. And uh, some of them got away. Most of them were recaptured and a portion of those guys were, were executed. Um, but some of these guys lived. And uh-huh. those are the guys that Mad Jack Churchill finds himself imprisoned with at this concentration camp. So he goes into the officer's area of this camp and the officers are the British officers who survived the great escape. And guess what these guys have been working on?
2: Ooh, um, I'm guessing it's not like some macrame project.
0: No, they're working on... A badass tunnel.
2: Tunnel! A badass
0: Woo. tunnel out of here. Yeah. They didn't learn their lesson last yeah. time. They're not gonna stick around to find out. <laughs> find out what happens. They are digging another hole and they're gonna get the hell out of here. Yes. And so Jack is like, just yeah, show me where to start, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so with shrapnel in him from the grenade, wounded, um he is tunneling through rock and earth and soil with whatever tools or fingernails he can uh, he can manage. Um, yeah. And these guys dig a huge cavern out of the concentration camp and they escape. Wow wow yeah he gets out into into the countryside um into the german countryside and he evades capture for 14 days so for two weeks he's on the run they do recapture him eventually um oh yeah he's he's tracked down by the gestapo and they catch him but he's on the run for 14 days before they finally get him
2: yeah yeah
0: so all right they get him he's been captured again uh and this time they send him to dachau
2: Ooh, that doesn't sound good.
0: No, that guy was another extermination camp, one yeah, of the big ones. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: But, and there's a couple versions of this story. I, I ran across a different version of it, but the version of this story I prefer is that when he finds out where he's going, he jumps out the back of the moving prison truck, still tied oh. up, and sprints into the woods, and then spends wow. the next seven days traveling through the forests like handcuffed basically <laughs> trying to survive off the land and find the allies. There's another version of the story that he got, he, he did get moved to Dachau and then, um, or got moved to a different camp, like a intermediary camp. And then like the, the SS left and he, he and some other prisoners escaped there, whatever it is, the re like how, whatever the version of the story is. Yeah. He escapes, he gets recaptured, he escapes again. And then he finds the allied lines. What? Yeah. He walks to Italy and finds the allies. <laughs> So that's Jack. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's Jack.
0: Yeah, he he walks to Italy. He meets up with an American armored unit. He catches a ride back to Britain. Um, and they ship him back to <gasps> wow. Burma to go fight the oh. Japanese.
2: OK, so he's back in the saddle yeah
0: he rests recuperates for however much time that he needs to do that um by the time he's ready to get back into action things are looking like they're wrapping up in germany uh so they send him to burma to try to fight the japanese forces out there mm-hmm. now that doesn't it doesn't work out so he catches a train but he gets out there but by the time he reaches his position the japanese army has surrendered and the war is over
2: okay yeah so what does he do
0: there's a, uh, at one point, he's quoted as joking that um, if it wasn't for those damn Yanks, we could have had this war for another 10 years. <laughs> <But> oh.
2: <laughs> okay, so that's the vibe we're getting. That's from the Jack, Jack Churchill, Churchill lifestyle, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah? So the war's over. Um, He's 40. He decides, what are you going to do? Um, He decides he wants to qualify as a paratrooper. So he takes up skydiving. At age
2: 40. Okay, but, which yeah. is, and... I'm just going to say to all of our listeners, hey, you know, you're never too old to try something new.
0: Yeah. Why not? Right. Let's be a, let's learn to skydive. Be a paratrooper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he qualifies as a paratrooper. He gets deployed to British Palestine. Um, so he gets sent to Jerusalem. Uh, he's in a neighborhood of Jerusalem called Mount Scopus. Uh, and this is the late 1940s so it is the time period where uh the british are transitioning palestine into israel and yeah yeah you know i don't want to get too much into it but uh the the what happens with jack is there as a military advisor to kind of oversee the transition thing and There's some unrest. And at one point, Jack is um, positioned along this road and there is a, a convoy of um, Jewish medical supplies that are going to a hospital and oh. they get ambushed by a big group of um, of people who are attacking them with everything. According to Jack, everything from like flintlock muskets to like belt fed Brand guns and stuff. So this, this so
2: he's got to get this medical convoy through,
0: right? So this, it's a civilian convoy of of medical aid going to a hospital. Yeah. They get attacked uh by explosives and and rifle fire. And Jack is there. He's in his forties. He's in his full military dress uniform, and he has uh-huh. explicit orders not to interfere with anything that's going on. Oh, so the British Army is not supposed to get involved with this. Like, don't don't get in the middle of any of this. This is a sticky situation. We don't. Want want to like just you know try to keep the peace to the best of your ability but don't you know don't engage Uh, but Jack Churchill doesn't have don't engage as in his, in his vocabulary.
2: <laughs> That's not in his vocabulary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. he. Yeah. So
2: what does he do? He engages. He
0: engages. He runs out there mm-hmm. in his full uniform, his dress uniform with his service pistol. Uh, he starts opening fire on the attackers. He's trying to get those cars out of the ambush site. He's. Yeah. He, uh Eventually, a group of other British officers come join him It's maybe only a dozen of these guys um the convoy is not armed and there are somewhere in the range of 150 people attacking it so and they're and they're ready for it right they're in they're in the buildings they're on the rooftops they're attacking from an area that was the uh american held like hospital area so places place you're not even supposed to shoot at uh and so But but Jack is doing everything he can to get these people out of there. He's he's laying down covering fire. He at one point carjacks an armored personnel carrier to try to drag people out of there. He calls it an artillery strike um, and he helps get a lot of these people out of there. And after he's done that, of course, being Jack, he's still not done. He says, oh, that convoy was headed to this hospital. I got to get there. Oh, so he runs to the hospital that they were headed to to warn them what's going on. And when he gets there it's already under attack by rockets. Like there's, there's artillery coming down on this hospital. Oh no. And so Jack helps evacuate 700 medical personnel and patients from the hospital and get them out of there and get to safety uh, under attack from rockets and stuff. So, uh, just crazy heroism, right? Uh, trying to yeah, save these yeah, civilians yeah. from this war zone. Um,
2: yeah, so he disobeyed the order do not engage.
0: Right. That's, I mean, yeah. why just said Jack Duh. if you didn't want him to engage? Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, so Mad Jack Churchill, Fighting Jack Churchill, um, he does a tour in Palestine. He goes back to England. Um, he gets deployed now to Australia later. He,
2: oh, OK. Another pin on the map.
0: Right. So he's an instructor at a land air warfare school in Australia. So the paratrooper training, the amphibious assault training for all of the uh, the Australian forces. And while he's there, this is when he becomes a hardcore surfer. Uh, Ooh, yeah hey. yeah and ten. exactly yeah. and he actually ends up when he comes back to england he liked surfing so much and there's not that much surfing in england he becomes yeah, kind yeah of in- i
2: don't associate england with surfing
0: right so he starts doing uh like some freshwater surfing which i didn't know was a thing
2: <gasps> oh huh.
0: pat you were looking at it ahead of time <laughs> you were looking at it a minute ago yeah you were saying- <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah yeah freshwater surfing it's a thing and you can catch the wave or catch the bore on a thing called a tidal bore, which is, I will confess, a little bit new to me. But when the tide comes in, it's got this you know, surge on the surface. And apparently you can catch that. And the River Severn in England has a pretty substantial tidal bore. So when the tide comes in, you can catch the tidal bore, which is basically like catching the wave., yeah. and he figured out how to do that and make the most of it.
0: He's one of the first people to do it. and I don't imagine that it's awesome. Like I think you only get one shot, right? there There aren't recurring waves here. You get one, and you better catch it, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, so he becomes in he, he decides he loves surfing uh, and he he goes back to England and is is doing his thing there. They they joke that he um, or they say that he used to kind of freak everybody out on the train because he'd go to work. And then when he would come back from work, he would throw his briefcase and all of his stuff out the open window of the train when because the train would go oh, right past his house. Oh, we all want
2: to do that, Ben. We yeah. all want to do that. The train
0: would go right past his house. So he'd throw all his oh. stuff out the window into his backyard Oh. And then ride the rest of the train ride to the stop and then get out and walk the rest of the way without having to carry his stuff. But like whoever was sitting next to him or whoever was kind of you know patrolling the train like the conductor or whatever would just Uh they would be kind of horrified that he'd just be like well here we go Uh Uh junk it was probably cathartic as well okay yeah 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 yeah. um he goes back to doing some of the acting stuff so in 1952 he appears in the movie Ivanhoe which is a great movie uh yeah yeah he's one of the archers he's an archer and he shoots from the walls of Warwick Castle in one of the scenes in that movie apparently um,
2: and he knows what he's doing
0: yeah he's a guy that could do this right he's a guy from another yeah. time and in the movie Ivanhoe he gets to portray himself in that time one of my my you know there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes from the first badass book that don't really translate humor is a difficult thing that doesn't always translate over like time oh, yeah. time periods yeah. so there's there's some stuff in there that it doesn't really translate well but my favorite yeah. joke in that book uh, then when I wrote it and still to this day, is that I was able to connect Mad Jack Churchill through Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh, So I I found a different path this time. So Elizabeth Taylor was in Ivanhoe. She was on North and South, that TV show from the 80s about the Civil War. Um, She was on that with Kirstie Eiley, who was in She's Having a Baby with Kevin Bacon. So there you go.
2: Ding, ding, ding. Six
0: Degrees of Mad Jack Churchill.
2: Yeah. He's got a pretty
0: uh-huh. d- decent number. He's got a bacon number of two. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jack retires from the army in 1959. Um, he lives the rest of his life in England. He he bounces around all over the place, but he, of course. his home yeah. is in Surrey, England. Uh, and he lives until 1996. He dies at age 89.
2: Oh, 89. Wow. 89 years yeah. Old, yeah.
0: Having fought on in him. all these yeah. battles and wars and been wounded yeah. by shrapnel and having just lived yeah. this extremely... Yeah hazardous life um yeah but
2: survived in the forest for seven days with his hands bound together right after I,
0: having survived for 14 days a different escape attempt and having survived two different german concentration camps and fought in wars and traveled to uh-huh. i think we've hit every continent he's got to get to the america well, south but,
2: america what about south america north america yeah. Antarctica?
0: Yeah. yeah we he's been to Africa. he was in Kenya, but yeah, yeah. the Americas yeah. He missed the Americas, yeah. but he probably yeah. went to the u s at some point, I'd imagine.
2: <laughs> I'm sure yes yeah, just for
0: fun, yeah yeah,
2: yeah, and he survived and he surfed,
0: yeah, and he surfed.
2: I mean, we've got the whole gamut and he skydived and played the bagpipes
0: played the bagpipes, and the bagpipes just kept coming back as like badass things. Yeah. He kept doing badass stuff with bagpipes, yeah. which. Yeah. Yeah, we should all be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough to 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 convince me to learn to play the bagpipes. That looks extremely complicated and difficult.
2: Yeah. But one can have respect for those who do play the bagpipes.
0: That's fair. I also don't think I would um, assault a German coastal artillery battery, but I can have respect for for people who did that as well.
2: With a long sword. Right. And force of personality.
0: Yes. All right, guys. That's Mad Jack Churchill. Uh, we hope you liked this. Um, if you're liking the show, please do like and subscribe to it. Uh, it really does help us out a lot, and it will allow us to continue to keep making these. So we do need your support, and we're happy to have it. And we're happy to have you listen to us. So thank you so much for sticking around, um, and we will see you next week with a, a, an all-new Badass.
2: Stay Badass. Badass of the Week is an I Radio podcast produced by High Five Content. Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me, Pat Larish, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at badassoftheweek.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.